The Holy Gospel according to Luke, the 24th chapter. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they came to the tomb, taking the spices that they had prepared. They found the stone rolled back away from the tomb, but when they went in, they did not find the body. While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men in dazzling clothes stood beside them. The women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be handed over to sinners and be crucified and on the third day rise again. Then they remembered his words and returning from the tomb, they told all this to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James and the other woman with him who told this to the apostles. But these words seemed to be an idle tale and they did not believe them. But Peter got up and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen clothes by themselves. Then he went home, amazed at what had happened. The Gospel of the Lord. My dear brothers and sisters, I bring you grace and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and risen Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm going to invite you to join me in the traditional Easter greeting. I'm going to say, Alleluia, Christ is risen, and you'll say, Christ is risen indeed, Alleluia. Alleluia, Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed, A very blessed and happy Easter to all of you. Um, as I begin my reflections this morning, I do want to remind us all of the tragedy in Sri Lanka that happened yesterday at a number of churches. There were a number of bombings that killed uh, a number of Christians. We will pray for them today, uh, but I'd invite all of you uh, to keep those individuals in your hearts and prayers uh, in the days and weeks ahead in the face of that unspeakable tragedy. And of course, in the news this past week, there's also been um, a lot of news about the fire at the Cathedral of Notre Dame in Paris. Uh, And I will tell you, I I did not think I was going to talk about that this morning. I had another idea, but as the week sort of evolved and developed, I, I found that I couldn't avoid it, although I'm not going to talk about what you might assume. Um, obviously, there are some obvious sermons that could come out of that, that out of ashes comes new life, out of destruction comes uh, renovation and restoration, and maybe that will be a time for a future sermon, but as I was studying um, the cathedral and, and the location that it's on, on that famous island in Paris, I discovered something that I want to use as sort of my framework for my message 
this morning. Maybe some of you already know about this. Uh, I assume many of you have been to the cathedral in, in Paris, to Notre Dame. Some of you? Raise your hands high. Okay, I assume that. So some of you may know this, but as you exit the cathedral, so you'd be on the west uh, side of the cathedral, which is always the, it, it's the back of cathedrals, the west side, but it's the, the main entrance and exit. Uh, as you exit it, if you walk 20 meters, more or less straight out and slightly to the right, uh, you will find something in the pavement there. Uh, it's a small octagonal brass plaque. Uh, it has uh, a handful of French words on, on it. The most important, though, are, are two French words, which thankfully are spelled the same in English as in French, so I can say them. Um, and the words are point zero. Point zero. And what that brass octagonal plaque means is, again, if you know anything about the island that Notre Dame is on, it, it's the heart, it's the center of the city of Paris. Uh, the, the land on which Notre Dame sta stands is, uh, has been the home of sacred sites for millennia. And, and the meaning of that point zero, 20 meters out from the entrance of Notre Dame, is to, to people in France, is this is the heart of who we are. This is the center of how we understand ourselves historically, culturally, spiritually. This is the heart. Um, and by the way, practically speaking, you may know this, is if, again, if you've been to France, what it also means is that that's the point from which all distances are measured. Wherever you are in France, you underst understand your position in relation to that point zero, 20 meters outside the entrance of the cathedral. And when I learned that, it struck me um, that it's a beautiful and I think perfect analog to what we are celebrating here today. For us as Christians, Easter is our point zero. When we come to confess Christ is risen, once again, this Easter Sunday, we are reminded that this event, the Easter event, is the heart the center of our lives. It's what gives everything else in our lives meaning. It's the point from which we understand who God is, uh, the point from which we understand who we are, uh, where we come from, and where we are going. Which is why this morning I am so glad that each and every one of you is here today. Because I believe you are right where you are supposed to be, in the heart of our story, being reminded again of this point zero for us as Christians. And that's true whether you've been here at St. Philip de Deacon for a long time or whether this is the first time you're visiting. It's true whether you are young or old. It's true whether you are hale and hearty and healthy or frail and feeble. It's true if you are filled today with gratitude at the way that God is blessing you or filled with frustration and disappointment. And it's true whether you are coming here feeling confident about your faith or whether you are filled with questions and doubts. And by the way, it's also true whether you are sitting here in the sanctuary or you are in the narthex <laughs> or you are in the fellowship hall. I can see some of the backs of your heads in there. Or the learning center. I don't, we may even have some people in the CFL. And I, it's also true if you are streaming us live. Um, 
In my opinion, you are right where you are supposed to be at this point zero in our lives together. Now, this point zero, again, it's the place that helps us understand who we are because we always are, are, are orienting ourselves back to this point, but it is also the point we discover as Christians from which we are sent out. And to explain that, I want to talk a little bit about the disciples of Jesus. Um, you know, Easter, I think, in our culture and maybe even in our churches, we end up sentimentalizing uh, Easter, I think, or, or the word I might use is we end up domesticating Easter. We sort of tell the story, well, there was this really nice guy. He lived a long time ago, and then he died. And we maybe don't even talk about how he was brutally executed. Um, and then he was raised back to life, and everyone was happy to see him, and they all lived happily ever after. Now, that touches on some of the facts of the story, but it, it strips the story of what I will call its dynamic power, uh, the dynamism of this Easter event in, in terms of how it changes and transforms lives. And for my money, the best way to understand that power, or at least to get a glimpse of that power, is to take a look at the disciples. You all know that Jesus had disciples, of course. Um, if they were here today, I think they would admit and acknowledge this. They were not always the brightest bulbs in the pack. Uh, not that we would have done any better necessarily, but during his whole ministry, they seemed to routinely sort of miss the point and, and misunderstand and don't quite understand what Jesus is all about. And as Jesus gets to the end of his life, Jesus has absolute clarity. He knows that without a doubt, he is going to be put to death brutally. And it's going to hurt. And he wants his friends to be with him. And again and again, those friends disappoint him. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he says, will you stay awake with me while I pray? I'm scared. And what do they do? They fall asleep. And when he's arrested, what do they do? They flee. They desert him. And after his arrest, some people come up to Peter, supposedly the, the main man, right? the strongest of all of the disciples, and they say, weren't, weren't you with him? I recognize you. You were one of his followers, right? Didn't you hang out with the other disciples? And not once or twice, but three times, in full knowledge of what he is saying, what does Peter say? No, I didn't know him. I wasn't one of them. His best friend, Peter, his strongest disciple, uh, denies him three times, which means that when Jesus is arrested and tortured and eventually brutally executed, he is all alone. With, I will say, the exception of some of his women disciples who comport themselves far better, truly, than his male disciples. They are far more faithful and far more strong. And so he's killed by the Roman Empire. And they knew how to put people to death in a way that was painful. And he's killed and executed, and he's all alone. And then a few days pass, and there's this rumor floating around some people, hey, Jesus, have you heard? Jesus is risen. And what do the disciples say? In the gospel we heard today, what do they say when they hear that news? They say, they thought it was what? An idle tale. Why? Two reasons. The first reason is nothing in their worldview their understanding of how the world works or God worked would have prepared them to assume that this guy would come back to life. Nothing. So they're incredulous about it. They don't believe it. 
The other reason, though, I think is almost more important, which is they don't want it to be true. Why? They know they have let their friend down. They know they have disappointed him. And if he is coming back, why would he come back? To get even. Seriously. Put yourself in the disciples' place. Right? If he's following the script of the world, the script of power, the script of revenge, the script of vengeance, the script of getting back at those who hurt you, if you're the disciples, you're thinking, I am not looking forward to this reunion. But this is part of the way we see the power of the Easter story, this Jesus who is both fully human and fully divine, who climbs up on the cross willingly to die for us, to save us from sin, death, and the devil. And then he comes back to flip the script, to change the narrative, to change it from power and revenge and vengeance and getting even to a story about something else. What are the first words he says to his disciples when he sees them? Peace. Peace be with you. And then he goes on to explain that not your desertion, not your denial, and not even my death, none of that can separate me and my love for you. I forgive you, and I love you. And that, for the disciples, there is no doubt no doubt at all that that moment for the disciples is the point zero in their life, the point from which they will understand everything else that happens. But it's also the point from which they are sent out because then after Jesus says, peace be with you, I forgive you, I still love you, he says what? I have work for you to do. Now that I've changed the narrative, now that I've changed the script, I need you, my followers, to go back out into the world and to share this message of peace and forgiveness and mercy and love, which the disciples who were weak earlier and afraid earlier, they go out and they do it gladly and joyfully, even giving their lives in service to this message. And this story, my friends, continues down to this day. Whatever has brought you here, wherever you come from, Whatever you think about from last Easter to this year, Easter, about the ways that you have deserted or denied Jesus or deserted yourself or denied your friends or let people who you love down, whatever you think you have done that will get in the way of your relationship to Jesus, Jesus says to you this morning, peace be with you. I forgive you and I still love you. And then Jesus says that second thing to each of us as well. He says, and I, I also need you. I need you, my followers, to continue to do my work in the world, to extend from this point zero out into the world my message, again, of peace and reconciliation and mercy and love. And this Easter, the only question for us is how will we respond to that invitation. Alleluia, Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Alleluia. A blessed Easter to all of you.
Amen.